Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Browns Wire podcast with me, Travis Rogers, and Josh Keatley. What's up, Josh? Nothing much, man. Just uh, sitting back thinking about another depressing loss. That's two really bad losses in a row. Um, well, at least the Seattle one wasn't on national TV. It was just in our area, so we didn't get laughed at by the entire country. But I think everybody is well aware of the woes that the Cleveland Browns are going through. Yeah, another uh, another tough one. Um you know, it was another one that the Browns had every opportunity to either, you know, I don't want to say close it out, but they had every opportunity to, you know, uh, keep control of that game because they took control early on. Uh, so, you know, there's some positives to take away, uh, obviously more negatives. Um, we knew it was a tough one coming in. You know, Russell Wilson's going to get his no matter what. Uh, you just can't stop that guy forever. But, uh, you know. The the Browns, uh, I don't know, a lot of talk about referees this weekend, but also a lot of the Browns shooting themselves in the foot. So, you know, pick your poison. The Browns just did not get it done. Yeah, you can't have that many turnovers and expect to win. We did get hosed. There were a couple plays that even when we weren't hosed, it was it was very awkward. Like, there was, there was two interceptions. Uh, one with Trey Flowers where OBJ had seemingly stripped him or popped the ball out. I thought that that was a fumble, but, you know, let's say it's not. That's fine. Let's move on. Well, the throw, it's the end zone. I can't remember who intercepted it, but uh, uh, he returned it and re- returned it for 18 yards. Well, he was on the ground longer than Trey Flowers, and he was able to return it. It was just very awkward. There were a couple awkward things like that. Uh, but, you know, we were going to lose anyways. Seattle is a good team. Uh, it was depressing the way it went down because we were he- we were winning heading into half. I think the league probably could have been larger. Uh, to be quite honest with you, and it seemed like they just kind of lost control um, in the second half, and it just, like you said, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, when when you get a punt blocked, um, I think I think it's just crazy. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but the the your win, your percentage of winning the game just, just like, goes down, just gets killed percentage-wise. Um, but, you know, that... I was... Um, at that point in time, I was listening to the game on the radio, um, so I, I was stuck. I, I watched the first uh, few series of the game. I saw the Browns go up fourteen to six, and then uh, I was on the radio for a bit. But uh, you know, a- after reviewing the game, the, the Browns just shooting themselves in the foot uh, all day long, and it, it not necessarily always being their fault. Um, just you know, the most unfortunate things happening. Um, one. One thing I can think of is, you know, the Freddie Kitchens challenge uh, that, you know, the, the Browns recovered after that by getting a quick, you know, uh, three and out. But uh, the story goes that, you know, Jarvis Landry, I mean, it looked like he had a touchdown. Uh, they, somebody did a little outline of the ball, and that's crossing the plane. To me, it's uh, plain as day. But um, the Browns had a fourth down chance to punch it in, and Freddie decided to throw the flag based on Jarvis Landry's recommendation. And, uh 
You know, just little stuff like that. Just It just piles up on the Browns, and they just can never seem to recover. Uh, I don't want to say it's like rookie coaching mistakes, but that's what it, it, is. Some, it, it somewhat is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're right. The challenge was really awkward because they, he, they ran a play. Uh, it was chubbed to the right. And then he called the challenge late. I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it early. You got to do it crisp, you know. And then when the challenge failed, they went out and they ran the same exact play to the same exact side, and obviously they got crunched. So it, it just awkward stuff like that. I do that. I do think with all the negativity swirling around that the offense has found a little bit of a groove. I mean, in the first half, they looked very crisp. They looked very clean. Baker Mayfield got a little beat up too. So I don't think he was a hundred percent playing in the second half. So you got to give him props there. Ricky seals Jones. Uh, he, he's definitely not an elite tight end. You know, no one's ever going to say he's Travis Kelsey or anything, but I mean, he's, he is way, way, way better than Demetrius Harris. He is way, way, way better than Farrell Brown. They found a much better solid option, a non-liability to play that position. I think that's helped immensely. Um, I think Rashard Higgins being benched was very confusing. But other than that, I think there were a lot of solids to take away from the offense. The defense is terrible. The defense, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, I'm hoping that a lot of that is because of the cluster injuries in the defensive backfield. Uh, Morgan Burnett still doesn't quite look the same. I think he even got outsnapped by Eric Murray. Uh, he had a couple missed tackles that didn't look very good. Obviously, the cornerbacks are getting beaten like drums. Uh, but when Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams come back, hopefully that really rejuvenates what they got. Uh, and it wasn't all bad on the defensive side. Miles Garrett still had two additional sacks, which so now he's leading the NFL with nine. Um, you know, Olivier Vernon, I, th- I saw where he was the highest rated defensive player for Cleveland in the 90s based off PFF, despite not really showing up in the stat sheet. I think he, it was very clear that he was making an impact. Um, I, you know, but overall, that, that, that unit definitely needs to improve. The offense, I really do feel like it's fine in its groove. I was kind of the pessimistic one last week when it came to the offense against the Niners, but this week I, I feel like I, I need to defend Baker a little bit. There's been a lot of pot shots taken on him. Um, about being in a lot of commercials, maybe he's not working real hard, maybe he talks too much, which, and there's some credence to that, right? He does talk a lot. We've talked about that in the podcast before, but I do think the dude works hard. I don't think that people need to be bashing his work ethic. Yeah, no, I I think I saw a stat that says, you know, seven of his 11 interceptions of, on the year hit wide receivers right in the hands. You know, eventually, eventually we got to put the onus on the wide receivers and they got to catch the ball. Yeah. And, and some of those, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to blame anybody specifically. I think the statistic, I, I think the statistic was actually five, uh, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was seven, but he does lead the NFL in like catchable balls that were intercepted, right? I saw that stat too. Um, some of those balls, you know, you'll see they were a little bit behind. We talked about the Callaway one last week. It definitely wasn't a perfect ball, but you, you know, you're an NFL athlete. You're an NFL wide receiver. We're paying you big money. You get two hands of the ball. It's your job to catch it. Um, but it's just a string of bad luck. It, it, a lot of it's bad luck. A lot of it is his, him making poor decisions or, or driving the football in spots maybe he shouldn't. Um, but I do think he is I, – I don't think his statistics, you know, like you said, the turnovers or maybe the lack of yards and touchdowns are really an indication of how he's playing. I think he's playing better than the statistics show. I think there's definitely room for improvement. He's not the same Baker that we saw last year. Uh, but I think it's more of you know, repetition trying to figure it out rather than him just not playing well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, just to your point about him not being the same last year, I mean, last year he was deadly in the red zone. I mean, it was touchdown. It was almost virtually a guarantee for a touchdown when they got down in the red zone. But this year he is 
been abysmal in the red zone. I, I do want to, you know, mention as well, you know, uh, obviously it's not just one guy dropping balls. It's like the entire wide receiver core is dropping balls. I think honestly that, you know, these players have these gloves in the NFL and it's basically like dipping, you know, something and stick them, letting it dry. And then it's just, you know, it, it's like a spider web. It catches anything. But I think the Browns gloves specifically, I think after they dip them and stick them, I think somebody's dipping them all in olive oil because the just the Dontrell Hilliard, Hilliard interception that end of the game, I mean, what? <laughs> just what? <laughs> you you know my feelings towards Dontrell Hilliard. I saw... I mean, you know where I stand with him and where he's at on the roster. I'm I'm kind of confused as, as to why we keep utilizing him. It's like we utilize him like it's almost like we use him like Nick Chubb is incapable of catching the ball, and I really don't know why. It kind of confuses me. Uh, but that I mean, those those are that's my you know how I feel about Dontrell Hilliard. I think yeah. everybody knows how I feel about Dontrell Hilliard. Yeah, and I think when when uh, Kareem Hunt gets back, that play right there is slotted for Kareem Hunt in that situation and he's the one catching the ball but unfortunately he's not here yet the browns are two and four right now and they're by no means out of the season i mean they are they are right still in the thick of it um yeah they're fine yeah granted you know they're going to the bye week so they might fall another game behind some teams but at the same time they are only one game out of the wild card right now so and that's that's almost every team in the AFC. I mean, aside from the Cincinnati Bengals, I think everybody in the AFC is still very much alive. Yeah, I mean, other than the Patriots, I think everybody in the AFC has pretty much got two losses. I'm not worried about it. At the beginning of the year, I told you I thought that I, I, I thought a solid prediction or a solid goal would be nine wins. Um, I think nine wins gets them to the playoffs. I think that I think that's a long enough time span for them to figure it out for Freddie Kitchens to get his footing and for this to be a, again. I, I'll say it every week: a Super Bowl contending team. The roster up and down is fantastic. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it really is. The, the glaring weaknesses we talk about a lot about the offensive line and how that might affect Baker and how some you know Nick Bosa. It was rocking everybody. Well, dude, every statistic in the world shows you that Baker's got more time than the average quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Like, like even the parts that we pick, you know, the specific areas that we pick apart, they're not that bad. They're really not. They're they're above average in every aspect of their roster. So I think they're very much in it. It's just all about finding their groove. And I really do, despite last week's showing, I really do believe that the offense is on its way. There are, if you look at that first half, they were a carousing, and it just sputtered. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, it, they're, they're starting to find it. And here's the thing. They have to find it soon because, you know, they start racking up a few more losses, then they're gonna be, it's going to be a long season. But here's the thing. As we know, the schedule gets much, um, you know, it, it's much more lax at the end. At the end. So the Browns, just, they, with their capital, they're going to have to capitalize after this bye week. It'd be great if they start with the Patriots and just start rolling from there, but that's going to be a very difficult uh difficult road we'll we'll be previewing that game next week but um aside from you know the Seahawks game I do know that there was some news um a certain player has been traded away from the Browns uh I guess I'll let you speak a little bit more to that yeah Austin Corbett he was the second round pick the 33rd pick overall to be exact the 2018 NFL draft at Nevada he was actually the left tackle in Nevada who take uh he took over for Joel Batonio uh, when Joe Batonio went to the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns took him, took him with the 33rd overall pick. 
it was thought that there was going to be an opportunity for him to be plug and play at left tackle after Joe Thomas retired. Well, that didn't happen. Okay. Uh, and then it was thought, okay, well, he's going to be obviously taking over for Zeitler. I think he was pretty much etched in everybody's depth chart at the guard spot as a starting guard when Zeitler was traded. Well, that didn't happen either. He's got some serious deficiency, uh, deficiencies, but I don't think ever, anybody ever saw it being this bad. I know that we talked. A lot about draft projections, and we, we everybody has their big board. I don't think anybody saw him being a bust. I don't think anybody really even saw him being a reach. I think that there were other people on the board that people that uh, other prospects on the board that people like better. Um, for instance, Will Hernandez went two spots later, and I th- I liked Will Hernandez more than uh, um, Jesus Corbett, but. I could see why they took him because they thought he had a potential to play at left tackle, um, but he just couldn't overcome the deficiencies. Uh, he definitely lacks the link to play tackle. That was immediate. They should have immediately knew, known that wasn't going to happen. Um, despite him being such a, he's very good technically. He's always been very good technically. I think that they thought that that was going to be able to overcome his lack of length. No, that's not going to happen. And he's very weak. I think that they thought that he was going to gain some size, gain some strength, but when, he got bull rushed by very below average. Uh, rushers, you know, a defensive lineman in the NFL. He, he, and he, honestly, he, there are, there is tape of him getting pushed around a bit in college. Uh, not often, not often at all, which obviously, again, that's why you're a second round pick at a guard because it doesn't happen very often, but you could see where that might be an issue, right? You might not have enough, you know, on the bottom of you. Uh, but that's obviously reared its head here and that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, he may end up performing well in L.A., but in terms of the Browns, he's an absolute bust. He's um, still my, extremely young. Yeah, he's still got chance. He still has a chance to develop, of course, but it's not going to be with the Browns. And I'd say uh, to this point, the worst pick that John Dorsey has made in his time with the Browns, especially that high, and for a position that is at such a premium that nobody—I mean, you know—football people who act, people who actually know what they're talking about in terms of football know how how important the line is. But you know, it's not—it's not like a glamour spot. You know, it's like not a big stud wide receiver or anything. But you know, having having a miss like that on a player that we could very much use—horrible, um, just a horrible pick. Yeah, I don't—I don't think anybody. And again, I don't—I don't really want to blame Dorsey. Obviously, you got to hit on those. Um, but I—I I don't really get the whole his whole rhythm. When his his whole plan when he drafted him seemed awkward. It seemed doomed from the beginning. Um. You know, it, it is a little upsetting. I'm not going to, like I said, it, it didn't seem like a reach at the time. A lot of people liked him. He had a very impressive senior bowl. You know, he's a very technical player. He's got a great attitude. You know, he was plugging, he played great at left tackle, probably at an all-conference, all-American level at Nevada. Uh, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot to dislike with his film. I, I compared him to John Greco. Well, I was go- I told you I was going through my notes earlier today on what I had with him dro- uh, coming out, and I compared him to a better John Greco. Well, it turns out he was worse than John Greco, which- <laughs> but I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think the part that hurts the most is that Will Hernandez is body bagging people for the New York Giants, and he went two picks later. He went two picks later, and you know that the reason that they took Corbett over Hernandez is because they thought Corbett could transfer to left tackle, and Hernandez was never going to do that. They, Hernandez was never going to have the athleticism to play tackle. So they they thought they over they just they had their expectations just were just inaccurate. But everybody's were on him, and they were able to salvage a fifth rounder. I'm kind of bummed by that. I, I don't know. I almost think that I don't know. I just don't know how bad he is either because I'm not at the practices every day. I, I'm not there. I I know that he was pretty pitiful on film last year when he did see some time. I know that we. 
or we, we got a lot of camp tapes and there's a lot of film at him and camp not doing very well and looking confused and preseason not looking good. Um, but gosh, a fifth rounder for somebody who just drafted in the second round last year, it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's pre- it's pretty bad. And I was really hoping, you know, with James Camp and coming in and then how highly touted he was as just an, an offensive line coach coming in that he could, you know, help develop him. And obviously it did happen. Um, it looks like Drew Forbes, um, as people know, prospect X, once he gets back from injured reserve next year, uh, well, actually, he could come back this year if I am correct. But either way, uh, worry about him next year. Uh, it looks like he might be the next man up in terms of what they're going to do with the line, and hopefully that one works out. I think it's safe to say that they're going to be acquiring linemen this offseason. Yes, they're going to be acquiring. They're going to be uh, looking hard at linemen this offseason. They're going to be looking hard at linemen in the draft. And you, you honestly should always be doing that, anyways. It's not even if Corbett was an was an all was a Pro Bowler. You, you, you constantly got to be replenishing your depth on the offensive line. So the, yes. the game plan shouldn't change. Maybe that moves up in your hierarchy, but that should have been higher anyway. That was that was going to be high up on the priority list, anyways. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you want to have that depth in case somebody gets hurt. Um, like Drew Forbes. Drew Forbes, you know, he isn't a starter by any means, but, you know, he got hurt in the preseason, and if he was your starter, you wouldn't have that depth right now, and the Browns are in trouble with that. So at this point, the Browns need to build depth, even if they can get, you know, if, if they can get solid backups. We're hoping, like, a guy like Wyatt Teller can eventually, you know, step into a role. I'm still waiting to see anything I out would of love him. to see that. I would love to see Wyatt Teller step in there and do what he does best, because I do, I do think that he would really help out this offensive line. I don't really know why he hasn't been given an opportunity yet. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the Browns have problems. Um, every NFL team has problems, though. The Browns are going to have to figure it out. That's plain and simple. Again, it's not as glaring as it may seem. No, it really no. isn't. But then again, I mean, you know, if you give the Browns the best line in the NFL, then you know, you never know what they could actually end up being. I mean, you know, this uh, they to me, I, I don't want, like I said, the sky's not falling. I wasn't expecting the Browns to lose this game, but you know. Well, the sky is. I don't. Again, I don't want to make light of this, the loss either. That's two embarrassing losses in a row, where you know every time they take, it looks like they took a step forward here, but they took two steps backwards over there. So it definitely. I think it is okay to press the panic button. If if you want to bail on the season, I'm not going to say you know you're an idiot because these losses were bad. These were bad losses. So you know I, I completely understand people being upset and frustrated. I just don't think that the the issue is blatantly one position that we suck at. And a right. lot of people are blaming that on the offensive line. A lot of people are either blaming the offensive line or they're making outlandish accusations towards Baker. And I don't think that's it. I think it's just there's not a really a, a, a groove. And I don't even think it's necessarily on the offense. I think it more more... I think that they'll find it. I really do. I think that the pieces are all there. Even if they made a trade for a guy like Trent Williams, who there's been heavy rumors and speculation about... I think that Trent Williams is a game changer because he's elite. I don't think it's a game changer necessarily because it's like, oh, we just needed a plug and play. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's like that. I think that he would be a game changer because he is such an elite tackle. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He's and, a special case. And and to kind of just wrap up, you know, the current Browns talk before we move on. You know, the the thing with the Browns right now is. The Seahawks, the Seahawks game to me was very winnable. The LA Rams game went to me was very winnable. They got blown out against San Francisco, but they were hanging with them in the first half. I don't think they were going to win that game regardless. But you know, the, the two winnable games, you know, the the Browns just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot and they got to finish a game. That's the main thing. So hopefully they can figure it out. Be this bye week. Hopefully they can do some self reflection and figure out their problems. Get some of their injured guys back, and they can turn it on for the second part of the season here. There, there was. I, I will. 
I think that you're right on what you said about Seattle. I think that you're right with what you said about the Rams. I put the Rams loss in the kind of in the rearview mirror because I think that we have taken steps forward since then. The Niners game, though, there was not a – I mean, I don't know when you thought we were going to win. Maybe the first 30 seconds because they came right out and they pretty much shoved it. I mean, you know, it was they shoved it down our throat immediately. It was almost immediately. We didn't stand a chance, and that was embarrassing. The Seahawks game, though, we did. Yeah, they they were. I mean, like I said, the Browns were hanging on for dear life with the Forty Niners, and like if they, uh, I, I maintain the point, if they would have made it fourteen to ten, they may have been able to make some sort of ball game out of it. But I didn't think they were winning that game. San Francisco is actually um, not fake good, as we found out. They are good, <laughs> and they they put it to the Rams over the weekend as well. So. Uh, Another tough weekend, just another tough weekend. And I guess that makes it even more frustrating, too, because when you're winning a game going into halftime and then you come out from halftime and you do nothing, it's a a strong indication that the coach coach is not making the right decisions. I don't know why. I don't want to give up on Freddie Kitchens. I know a lot of people are calling for his head already. That's silly. I don't want to fire him. Um, I think he was a fine hire. I wouldn't have hired him, but I think he was an, he was a fine, perfectly fine hire. I could totally see why he did it. He's got a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. He seems to be a very player-friendly coach. He's got a great attitude. He's, he's got a great mind. I don't know what's going on with his thought process. I don't know if he's if he's not – I don't know. I don't know if it's too much for him. I don't know if he's, he's wearing too many hats. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But, I mean, it did seem like a lot of the issues that we saw Sunday were, based, were due to a lot of poor decisions. Yeah, so – like you said, a lot of it has to do with the coaching. You know, you score twenty points, you're up twenty to six, and then you score eight points the rest of the game. That's the Browns right now. They just can't put it all together. They need to put it all together. And, but with that said, I, you know they still scored. They, they still scored twenty points. They put some points on the board. Um, and like I said, the defense didn't play well either. But even then, everything you you complain about, you can point out bright spots as well, right? I'm complaining about the defense. Well, the defense had shut them out three times. The Seahawks had three three and outs, which is really hard to do for against the Seahawks team. That's really good. Miles Garrett had two sacks, and that their offense, their offensive line was geared towards stopping stopping Miles Garrett. And we did all that with two defense, two our starting two cornerbacks hurt, and our safety still bumped and bruised. So I think that does say a lot. But at the same time, we're, there's just it, I can't just keep making excuses for him. At some point, you got to work with what you got. Yeah, like at the end of the day, they got an L. <laughs> Unfortunately, they got an L. So uh, a big one, yes, a, big L. a bad one. So uh, so I don't want to drink myself to death. Um, let's move on to the college game this weekend, or not really a weekend. It's a Friday night game. Um, Ohio State plays Northwestern this Friday. Uh, it should be another easy matchup for the Buckeyes to win. Whoa, 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 dude. You just skipped over some another huge news that happened today. Oh, what happened? <laughs> our our boy Broby, bro. Oh, Jesus, I forgot. Broby got picked up yeah. by the XFL, man. The XFL draft was today. Yeah, the okay. offensive portion. All right, touch on the XFL draft for me real so quick. So the, the, the XFL did a – before we go into it, the XFL had their offensive portion of the draft today. They they have broken up the draft. So you had, every team had a quarterback designated to them before the draft started. The first, uh, the first section, I think there was 10 rounds of skill position players. The second section was 10 rounds of uh, offensive linemen. And, like, the third section was – I guess – I think – oh, you're right. The, uh, defensive linemen were picked. So tomorrow – I don't really know what's going on tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'm not an XFL – uh, expert, but there were a couple. We I recently released an article where I cover 
I thought 90, 99% of the former Browns that are in the XFL pool. There's probably 1,600 players in the XFL pool. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Maybe it's more like a thousand. Felt like a lot though. And there's about a hundred former Browns on that list. Um, so today a bunch of Browns got taken, but you know, what's funny out of all the Cleveland Browns that were eligible for the XFL draft. Do you know who the first person that was drafted the first person that was drafted that played professional football in cleveland was i I bet you'll never guess who it is spurgeon win god i wish that guy's gotta be 40 now no the first player drafted by the xfl that played professional football in cleveland was nick truesdale who played uh for the arena football league's cleveland gladiators so it wasn't even a cleveland brown that was taken first it was a cleveland gladiator it was he was a tight end in the 2017 season and he was the fifth pick in the first round which i thought was hilarious uh but there were some other there were obviously legitimate Browns taken. Brogan Roback was the second round pick by the Seattle, or I'm sorry, the St. Louis Battle Hawks. He was the third pick in the second round. So what's that? The 12th pick? Something like that. No, 11, <laughs> that's the 11th pick overall. Yeah. And then Sammy Coates was taken by the Houston Roughnecks uh, in the third round with the second overall pick, or the second pick in the third round. We all remember him from that very devastatingly poor 2017 season, but obviously people are still falling in love with his speed size combo. And like Damian Washington was another one that was taken really high. Another wide receiver that was with the Browns in 2014. He was drafted in the fourth round. Uh, there were obviously a lot more, um, Jeez, oh, I can't remember the name of the offensive tackle that was kind of a fan favorite from Idaho State. He had the big, long name. Oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. But he was taken today. Um, there's some other guys that were taken that I can't, I, you know, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them taken today, but those are kind of the, those are the, those are really the first three off the board. And I didn't, I didn't see Trent Richardson get taken. I thought he would get snagged. He still has no zag, only a zig. Dude, do you know he's only 29 years old? <sighs> it seems like it seems like forever ago, but he's only 29 years old. He's played in the CFL, the Alliance of American Football League, and the NFL. That dude is an alternative football king. And I don't think he got picked up by the XFL. I know it was in the player pool, but I don't think he got drafted. Well, man, I guess he's still a free agent. I, I don't know. It's It just seems like... Uh, I mean, you, you kind of re- you hope the guy makes it just for his own sake, but, you know... Uh, that that he will always be uh, remembered in my head for uh, us fleecing Ryan Grigson for a first round draft pick for him. So oh yeah, oh yeah, never forget that. Okay, so uh, any any more on the XFL front? Well, there's a ton more, but I I, I you know I don't want to waste everybody's time talking about a league <laughs> that might not exist in uh, ten months. But with that said, if you're wanting to know more, I wrote uh, like I said, I wrote a piece today was released today prior to the draft with a list of all. Everybody, all hundred of them, hundred maybe more than a hundred of anybody who touched or put on a Browns helmet that is XFL eligible. And then tonight, I'm going to go back to uh, pounding the keyboard to figure out uh, who was taken that has had Cleveland Browns experience. Like I said, I didn't get to sit there and watch the entire draft, although I tried. But I only get to see you know the the first section, the second section, and bits of the third section. But I will be sure to keep everybody updated if they want to go ahead and check out BrownsWire.com. So there you go. Go out, go on there, and see what former Browns are, uh, you know, finding new lo- new uh, football life in terms right. of the XFL. So, uh, in terms of other extreme things, um, there should be an extreme blowout on Friday night, as we mentioned earlier. The uh, Northwestern um, Fighting Nerds take on the Ohio State Buckeyes, and uh, this one shouldn't be much of a game. But I'm sure Northwestern has some talent. So, what does Northwestern have? 
that uh, Ohio State fans can kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, it's surprising Northwestern is so bad. Northwestern is 1-4. They've had a really rough year. Uh, the, you know, And it's funny because I said at the beginning of the year that Hunter Johnson, the five-star quarterback, the transfer from Clemson, he's not everything that he, they thought he was going to be. They really miss Clayton Thorson. I kind of saw that coming. Uh, but, yeah, the Northwestern, specifically their offense, has really fallen down a cliff uh, since the Big Ten Championship game last year. But with that said, there are still three guys that I kind of been paying attention to one specifically is going to be a very very early round pick um possibly even in the first round if he tests right the other one's going to be a mid-round pick and the other guy's probably going to be an undrafted free agent but i wouldn't be surprised if he's stuck on a roster so patty fisher is obviously the big stud on this defense uh he's the middle linebacker six foot four 241 pounds he's only a junior so there's a chance that he comes back next year although i find that very unlikely because he is so good uh he's amazing against the run he attacks the ball he's got great instincts and he's probably the hardest hitter in the country and i don't think i'm exaggerating he probably he he body bags people straight up uh the second player that i really like watching is joe gaziano defensive end six foot four 275 pounds he's a senior i talked to bill carroll about him uh prior to the season and bill carroll agrees that this is a completely underrated edge player that is i think when it comes to draft time, he's going to be higher rated than most people will have him rated now. Uh, he already, he only has three and a half sacks currently, but he he had he's had sixteen and a half sacks the past two years combined, which I believe leads the Big Ten. He's a two time All Big Ten member, and he's probably going to get that honor again. And it's an and he also plays against the run phenomenally. That's probably what he's shined best at this year. And the third player I pay attention to doesn't even play. Okay, Trent T J Green. It's it's Trent Green Jr. Right, T J Green. He's the backup quarterback. He's six foot two two. 215 pounds. He's a senior. Hunter Johnson got hurt briefly against Stanford, and he played a little bit this year. Last year, he played a lot more because Clayton Thorson was injured a lot more. The dude doesn't really make mistakes. He's not athletically gifted. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's not extremely accurate, but he seems like a guy that's going to hold a clipboard in the league for a long time, kind of like his dad. Um, I think he was actually a former walk-on, too, so I, I, he's he's a very interesting prospect because he does have the size to hang around, and he doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes, but those are kind of the three guys that I see uh, that could be fits for the Cleveland Browns uh, or that could be on the board or somebody you pay attention to. I would love, 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 love Patty Fisher in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Oh, there you have it. So, uh, like I said, uh, I don't expect this one to be much of a game, but those are three guys you can kind of keep an eye on, although one of them, as you said, won't be playing much, um, if at all, um, you know, unless somebody gets hurt or uh, it becomes garbage time. This is the biggest spread the Buckets have gone up against since Fort Atlantic. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whopping 28 points. So. Yeah, and, like, it's it's one of those things where people were realizing that Ohio State's defense isn't giving up the big play like they did last year, so not only is the defense just kind of suffocating – teams and they're not it's not like they're turnover crazy they just kind of suffocate and just it's this they put their will on top of you and it's just over and then the offense as you know is explosive as ever so uh this one shouldn't be much of a game don't expect much um i guess it'll be nice to have a saturday where you don't have to worry about any football though in the middle of fall but of course yeah. we know we will be worrying about football because the nfl never sleeps oh yeah that's what we do that's what we do all right so uh moving on from there let's uh Let's wrap up tonight with some bets, and uh, let's get us out of here. So, uh, again, we'll do the rapid fire. Last week, we uh, did not get background music to it because I am, uh, as Josh says, I'm a perfectionist, which makes me also the worst. Hopefully, I find some good music for backing our uh, bets this week, but uh, let's rapid fire them out yeah, here. Yeah, because uh, if it was me, I would have slapped some nickel back in there. We would have moved on, bro. That's, that's how it would have been, dude. I need to put photograph on there. 
that's that's how it would have been. Uh, by the way, I went three and zero last week. Okay, so that's three four weeks in a row where I've cat I've I've gone over sixty six percent. So this hey, last week I went perfect. So perfect if you want too. some cash, if you want some cash, you might want to pay attention to us. And I just jinxed us forever. <laughs> you, uh, you, there's no jinx in me because I am a god. It's official. All right, so uh, I'm not uh, so I'm not gonna yeah. I'm do you want gonna, me? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you, you go you first. Want, I, I was gonna go make first? a joke. Yeah, I was gonna make a joke, but I'm not gonna play into your being a god. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction. <laughs> you, you, I cannot be more satisfied than I am already. All That's right, how well, satisfied I am. Satisfy yourself with uh, your first pick. <laughs> I satisfy myself constantly, Travis. All right, so my first pick, Kansas. I'm gonna I'm gonna start hot again. I was hot last Thursday. I'm gonna go hot again this Thursday. Kansas City giving three and a half to Denver. Why they're giving three and a half? I have no idea. I have no idea. I can't figure it out. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Chiefs. The Chiefs coming off two losses. They're looking to avenge themselves, get on the right track, and there's not a better team to do it against than Denver. Kansas City is a solid 6-1 and one against the spread against Denver in the last seven contests. All right, so number one for me, uh, L.A. Rams favored by just three points over Atlanta. I think Atlanta is, uh, yeah, they're bad. They're real bad. So I think uh, L.A. covers that and then some. Wow, I get that. That's actually my my pick number two. The Rams are three and three currently, but they are four and two against the spread. The Falcons are one and five, and also one and five against the spread. Their last eleven contests, the Rams are eight and three against the spread. I'm still gonna ride with them. I'm right. I'm gonna ride with them. All right, there you go. So number two for me, Buffalo is favored by an astronomical seventeen points over the Dolphins. Um, I just don't think Buffalo covers that spread. That just seems asinine to me, and that's asking a lot of a Josh Allen, who we know is suspect at times. Yeah, I kind of looked at that game. I glanced at it. Uh, I glanced at it hard, but I avoided it. Denver or Miami played really well last week. I actually put money on Miami. Uh, that actually paid out really well for me. So I'm kind of with you. If I had to pick a side, I would definitely pick the Miami side again with 16 points. Uh, but I'm not. The game I went with was San Francisco. San Francisco is giving a whopping 10 points to Washington. So it's the second largest spread of the weekend. Sunday at one o'clock, Washington is one and five and one and five against the spread. San Francisco is five and zero, oh, four and one against the spread. Um, that's really all I need. So there you go. I was really looking hard at that game and thinking about that because that 10-point spread to me seems so small. But instead, the Seahawks are favored by 3.5 over the Baltimore Ravens. And I think this is another week where the, the just the solid team that is Seattle just kind of puts it on the other team. And I just I'm, I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be able to do to Seattle what he did to Cincinnati. So I think that the Seahawks cover their 3.5-point spread against Baltimore. And that also helps the Browns. So, hey, I'll take that. And I also agree with you there, too, because Baltimore has not, other than the game against, uh, the Baltimore hasn't played impressively uh, like in the last couple weeks. I know that they beat Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is A, tor- terrible. And B, Baltimore didn't beat the spread. So they still didn't beat or meet expectations that were set upon them. They, uh, you know, Cincinnati still moved the ball a little bit. So they're not exactly the team that everybody was touting them uh, at the beginning of the season. So I feel like that's another fair bet. There's really not a whole lot to make fun of you for. No, and, and that's a <laughs> that's the other thing. You know, Cincinnati, I, I jokingly took the money line just for the heck of it last week, and uh, they did not win. But they put up a game, and uh, as as has been the case all season, the Ravens just don't impress me. So that's all we got for bets. The Browns are on a bye week uh, this Thank week. Thank God. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to having just a week, a Sunday off, where I'm not having, you know, be on the edge of my seat and just be angry. Um, so in terms of just any final thoughts, what do you got for us? 
No, I just I, I don't think that the bye week could have came at a better better time. Uh, I was really hoping to get the get a win and get a momentum to go into the bye week. But if they would have got a win, we would be sitting here complaining about how they had momentum and now it's got to stop. Now they can go recollect. They're not sitting, you know, uh, they're not sitting on a pedestal. They know what they got to go in and do. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's got a hip injury. He, he's got to deal with. He, he's got to get that fixed. He's, this time is really going to be beneficial to him. I don't even think he practiced today. Everything I read said Garrett Gilbert was practicing. So this will really help out Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. I think that they were planning on sending those guys out as well throughout the bye week. So this is also great. Um, something you want to watch out for is you don't want those guys to be rushing back. Okay. Rushing back is, you know, you start to reinsure things. You start to look bad. It starts to circulate more rumors. So I'm completely in a hundred percent comfortable with those guys sitting through. Uh, another thing to keep track of is I don't think that the Cleveland Browns have added anybody since trading Corbin. So they obviously are going to be looking to add somebody. I know there's a lot of hot and heavy trade rumors with Trent Richardson or Trent Williams. I don't know how valid those those are uh, but someone will be added whether whether or not it's an impact player i have no idea i'm gonna throw this one out there for my kind of final thought the trent williams stuff has been heavy as you said richard higgins was a healthy scratch on sunday and pete he was he thought he was going to play i think the browns may have been thinking about dealing richard to washington to try to get trent williams i hope well, he, that's not the case he wasn't even a scratch he was active they just he didn't get any snaps it was yes, really strange yes yeah, sorry the, yeah he, really he dressed strange. in everything he was he, he said he was ready to go and he just didn't yeah. get on the field so uh, yeah, very strange i i don't think you're gonna see that i would be i mean it wasn't a mistake you're right i mean i guess technically that is a healthy scratch i just wanted to be clear he was active he was ready to go he was in the past he thought he was going to play like you said uh i don't think that they're going to trade him i think he's an extremely valuable asset i i would for one would be upset if they trade him uh i think he's a great player i think he's got a, a great relationship with baker mayfield or as he said today salt and pepper um so i i would be upset by that but at, at the same time if you're going to bag a guy like trent williams you better bring something to the table of course he's not playing with him though you know what i mean the guy's not playing uh hey i mean here's the thing like if they traded Richard Higgins and it kept Antonio Callaway and that was the direction they'd want to move, I'd be a very angry fan. Um, I'd be I, a very angry, um, yeah, I would be very angry as a, just, uh, as a member of the Browns wire. I'd be a very and, and angry remember, person. And remember too, Trent Williams is north of 30 and he hasn't been fully healthy since 2013. So I think he's a top 10 offensive tackle. Uh, I know that he really struggled last year against some of the speed rushers. I, I, I more specifically, I believe, uh, you know, there's a couple, both games against the Giants. He did not perform well, if, I, if I'm recalling it right. Um, he really struggles. He's starting to struggle against speed. I don't know if that's an age thing. I don't know if it was because he was beat up, what that is, but I mean, he is pretty locked down. So I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of rumors floating around that, oh, hey, we're going to trade Joku, a first rounder and a second rounder, and then, uh, you know, Rashard Higgins or whatever. And it's like, well, we're not going to trade. He's, I don't think he's a caliber of player that we have to trade away seven starters to get. You know what no, I mean? No, 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 I don't think so either. So with all that being said, hopefully uh, by the time this drops on Thursday morning, uh, something hasn't happened. So uh, that being said, I, I think that'll pretty much close us out tonight. Um, I guess, uh, I guess let's, let's get the Twitter handle since we haven't done that in a few episodes. So uh, Josh, what's the Twitter handle? Yeah, hit me up at Josh Keatley, <laughs> Josh Keatley 16. Uh, reach out to us on Facebook, DM me on Twitter. We'll respond. If you have any questions you want us to hit on the pod next week, let me know. Yeah, we will answer any and all questions, uh, inappropriate or appropriate. does not matter uh, what they are. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Travis underscore Rogers 4, and uh, I'd say that'll close us out for tonight. So uh, looking forward to the bye week. Uh, thank you, everybody. Yeah.